Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Well, I want to start off by thanking you for showing up for yourself. Getting through the tough stuff. (laughs) Tonight's topic is getting through the tough stuff. I've been thinking about this episode for a while now. And... uh, I think I want to start off, I'm just going to get into it because I know we're going to run out of time because human psyche is this gigantic, vast thing and talking about it with, with content and, and value can take some time. Um, first of, first of all, I want to say that Getting through the tough stuff, the tough stuff. Oh, my God. We're on planet Earth. The tough stuff here is intense. There's a lot of pain on this planet. There's a lot of struggle on this planet. And, you know, if I just start talking about how horrid pain is, how bad pain is, how terrible it is to feel pain, there'll be some of you that cringe and won't want to, not ready to go there yet, perhaps. And I want to honor that space, but I also want to honor just how deep, just how deep pain can go on this planet. Like I said, I've been thinking about this episode for quite a while and uh i've been thinking about painful moments in my life and painful moments in um in my family dynamic getting through the tough stuff so many people are struggling with really tough challenges in their life and i and uh i want to I want to just, again, I just want to honor the fact that pain is can be extremely painful, and I get that. I, I don't want to downplay like this is like lint in your pocket, and if you just toss it to the to the ground, that's it, you're over it. But I also know that the the human psyche, um, maybe even our soul, to get out of our ego, to get out of our the narrative that we have for ourselves, who we are, what what we've done, and what has been done to us over our life and even lifetimes. I do want to touch a little bit on just how deeply scarred we've been without um, without it being too painful. I get that. I mean, imagine imagine watching your mom or your sister getting burned at the stake at the town center because they were 
labeled um, sinners, labeled whatever. It doesn't matter what the word is. Watching them being burned alive at the stake. Lately, I've been thinking about my father. And as I've shared before, for many, many decades of my life, I had no idea. Um, but he was this this happy-go-lucky, innocent, naive farm kid from a tiny town in Utah. And he goes into the Pacific campaign, and he's impaled with horror. He's impaled in the moment with no chance of digesting or or sorting through. He's impaled with the horror of war. Learn to kill now or you will die. What the, what the, son of a bitch. Um, I was talking to my, my daughter who... Um, she's a nurse practitioner, and when she's going to nursing school, she, in, I guess it'd be called interned at a children's hospital. And uh, I said, well, what's, what's some of the tough stuff that you didn't see coming? And she said, um, something to the sort of, well, we get kids that have the living crap beat out of them inches from death and we bring them in the hospital and we put them back together and we get them back to a a somewhat healthy kid and the perpetrator comes to pick them up from the hospital what (laughs) I mean I mean, I mean, come on. What a what a what a tough planet to live on. Um and then uh and then 2020 comes along and throws all our narratives in the hopper and and it's the rototiller and none of our lives are the same and um, what we call normal is this fleeting memory. How do we how do we process all this stuff? How do we get through painful, tough, difficult times? Um, well, the. I think what can help, and it doesn't always click. I know, I know when I uh, I got cracked open from the proverbial two by four. I guess it's coming up on thirty years, twenty five, thirty years ago, and uh, I didn't have this this spiritual bone in my body. I didn't. Uh, I really didn't. Um, I couldn't see the life that was the, or perhaps the change in my life direction. I had no idea what was about to happen to my life. And uh, 
I started once the, the cosmic two by four cracked me open. I started to get more and more curious about who who am I really? And I was raised in a, a Mormon household, um, a Christian household, and um, we were taught that. Uh, it's just this lifetime. At the end of this lifetime, God's going to judge us, and we'll either go to heaven or we'll go to hell and burn forever in eternity. God, no tough stuffologist. But I I investigated the idea of uh, reincarnation and past lives. And again, not... There was there was not anything related to this in my psyche. I was a newbie. I was a green bean, and I did. Uh, I started doing past life regressions, and the reason I bring this up is is to understand who we are at a at a bigger level. Because if we just stay in our minds, if we stay in our egos. And our ego's got to comprehend all the crap that happens. Yeah, egos can can say I can't take it anymore. I did I did past life regressions. I really delved into it quite a bit for several years, and I really got a sense that there was a reason I was scared to death of water. There was a reason I had this predisposition to feeling water come in over my head. I had this angst towards water the day I was born. And my first past life regression, I I connected with a life where I was on a, a Christopher Columbus era ship out in the ocean at night in a hurricane most of the people were in the water either drowning or already drowned and here comes a wave and whoosh i'm in the water and now i'm drowning and that that psychic imprinting on on my persona from that lifetime carried over into this lifetime if I'm in water over my head, I have this angst. I have this fear that comes up from the deepest part of me. And the reason I bring this up is for for us to understand that we're a soul who have had many incarnations. If you're on planet Earth now, you're not a rookie soul. You're not. This is one of the most advanced classrooms Planet Earth is one of the toughest classes you can take on what it means to incarnate into human form, loaded up with karma, watching a karmic tsunami play out on the collective consciousness and have every aspect of reality in some kind of turmoil. If, if we don't understand the context of our soul and we try to navigate all this from the ego, excuse me, from the ego's point of view, um, the ego's 
the ego, I think the ego is a big part of our suffering. And so it helps to, it helps to understand that, you know, the, the moment you were born, you didn't have an ego. You didn't. You didn't. Your soul was there. Your body was illuminated, animated. The consciousness of your soul was there when you were a baby. But you didn't have an ego per se. And 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 look at the dynamic of where your ego was fabricated by your parents. If you think of a baby as a clean slate, and that they're not really perfectly clean because they have past life karma that they're bringing into this lifetime. When you look at the environment that your ego was created in, the family dynamic, and for a lot of people, the family dynamic is the tough stuff. Dad's beating the crap out of you every night, or or mom's beating the crap out of dad, or, um, I mean, the uglies go in every direction on this planet. If you were born into a tough environment, and it doesn't always have to be physically violent. You could have a perfectly clean house and have mommy dearest psycho crap going on in in your parents. And, and, and that's important to understand. I'm bringing up your family of origin for a reason, because your ego is going to try to make sense of things. And your ego was taught how to think. Your ego was taught what was important. Your ego was taught what was valued and what was not valued in your family of origin. I don't know how many times... um, I've heard people say that their parents never told them that they could do it, that they were um, capable, that they were worthy. A lot of people, their, their parents are the ones that beat them down psychologically. So if your ego was was beat down by your parents, the adults, your parents, and then you move out and you get on your own and you and you establish your life for yourself and you're going along pretty good then 2020 comes along and you find yourself in the um in the turmoil the upheaval everything you had in place for your life has fallen apart and what did your parents tell you that you're not you're not any good at figuring stuff out Where's the tools in your toolbox? In a situation like that, what are you, I mean, where are you going to reach in your psyche to pull out what you need to pull out to get back on your feet, to, to stand, to stand in the storm, to stand in the turbulence with a sense of, I got this. I got this. How does that work? 
Take some time. Earmark this this question. What were the core elements of your family of origin? Was it safe? Was it scary? Was it intense? Was it um, numb? Was it cold? Was it loving? Was it supportive? Really look at your family of origin and perhaps even look at your parents' family of origin. A lot of times there's these generational batons that we pass from generation to generation. I think a lot of the, quote, diseases, unquote, that we say are hereditary are actually a reflection of the psychic scarring, not per se the physical body, but the psychic scarring of our family dynamic. Take inventory of of who you've been told you are. And and take some time and contemplate the the notion that you've had past lives, that you've had psychic scarring in your in your soul that you've brought into this lifetime. Karma is karma is a really elegant thing in that if you spend a lifetime whipping the slave, you're going to spend a lifetime being whipped as the slave. Some of us are going through hell because we were the dispensers of hell in past lives. And what we're doing is filling the other side of the coin, so to speak, metaphorically. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk about the psyche and how to look at the psyche to give you some strength, some courage, some resolve, so you can navigate getting through the tough stuff. But Understanding how you've been set up for this, your soul, um, the your soul looked at family dynamics very closely before you incarnated. Your soul looked at what are the choices I can incarnate into that will teach me some core lesson that will teach me some core aspect of what it means to be a human being. Your soul chose your family dynamic regardless of how much of a train wreck it was or not. Your soul chose the family dynamic for you to incarnate into, to be imprinted by your mom and your dad, with their karmic dogma, whatever it was, with their brutality, however they d- dispense it, or it maybe you didn't have brutality and probably not going to be listening to a, a podcast about getting through the dust stuff. But but look at your family dynamic. And understand that you're a soul that chose this quagmire, if you will, this tough stuff, if you will, 
as a lesson for you to possibly figure out who you are in the storm, to possibly figure out your divinity in the chaos, in the tough stuff. So I think it's really valuable to put things in context. I'm going to put a little skin in the game. I'm going to talk about what led, what events led up to my birth, what dynamic my soul chose. And maybe that, maybe that can help you put a story behind your context. My, my father was by far the most dominant personality in the household. He was born into a single room log cabin. His mother was an immigrant from Sweden. She has a diary of having to travel many miles to catch a ferry to and she's she's so poor that she can't afford shoes. In her diary, she's talking about buying food or buying shoes to walk through the snow. They're just, her family dynamic was so poor, she immigrates to the United States and she has my father and they grow up dirt poor in a single room log cabin in Utah. My grandma would tell my dad, Gilbert, you can either go shoot dinner or you can milk the cows. Pick one. And the pictures I see of my father are um, during that age, he's got this big smile on his face. He's He lives in this very small town. He lives on uh, kind of a small family farm. But he's just he's just happy and he's jovial and he's innocent and he's naive and and then he gets sent off to war and he goes to the Pacific Theater and in the Pacific Theater it was um, there's a movie series it's uh, it's a compliment to Band of Brothers. It's called The Pacific. And it's a 10-part episode of being a Marine in the Pacific campaign in World War II, which is exactly what my dad was. And to be able to survive, you had to be able to dispense. You had to shoot the ammunition as fast as you could. If your gun jammed for 20 seconds, game over. If If... It was just, it, it was a war of attrition. It was, and and I know in that environment, I watched, uh, just recently, I watched that series, and it, it gave me a glimpse of my father. My father was an extremely angry man. He was a very big World War II vet big man, he cut you in half with his eyes with a glare from his face. And I under 
I never understood the anger. Uh, and I don't pretend to understand it completely, but in those first battles in Guadalcanal and whatnot, the, the enemy was waiting. They they had they might have a thousand men that would just march up against the front line in a ceaseless volume of people. And he had to learn instantly, I have to kill everyone that I see or I will die. I don't know how he made it through the war. I do not know how he made it through the war. But he instantly had his his compassionate, tender, innocent heart impaled with horror, impaled with horror, and had to become a brutal savage a heartless, brutal savage in order to have any chance at all of surviving. Not to mention he was a sergeant and he was responsible for these green bean kids that didn't know anything about anything and he had to try to get them to go home. But over a thousand men that was in his care, over 900 went home in body bags and I know that crushed him because he would have done everything he possibly could to give every single man a, a fighting chance. And so just recently, I, I got a new insight to the anger of my father. But let, let's look at the environment my ego was born into. So he comes back from the war, he marries my mom, and they have seven kids, and I'm the last kid of seven. So I'm born into a household of extreme intensity. Uh, anger's a decisive factor. If I show anger, if I stir the anger of the household and awaken the anger in my father, I will see fear on my mom's face. I'll see fear on my sibling's face. I don't want to be the one to bring fear into the, I mean, anger into the household. I don't want to be the one that brings anger out. So as a young child, I made a mechanism in my psyche to suppress any anger in my own psyche. Now, what's really important here is this is a subconscious. This is before I'm even able to think. This is a subconscious mechanism that says, if I feel anger swell up in me, I am to shove it directly into my subconscious. I'm going to run out of time. i got to accelerate this. <laughs> So fast forward 20 years, I've got thousands and thousands of watts of anger in my subconscious, and I'm not aware of it. My ego will not make any choice. Listen to this. My ego will not make any choice that might, that just might stir up my own anger. And I'm not aware of this. My ego is not aware, my conscious ego I had no idea I was so scared to death of anger. I had no idea I was avoiding angry situations. But I was. 
and I ended up on a shrink's couch and the cosmic two by four cracked me open. And then the immense amount of energy comes streaming out of my psyche. Here's here's this volcano of anger streaming out of my psyche. A huge amount of energy is flowing out of my body in the moment. And I'm like, what the hell are you? And the anger said, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Think of me what you will. And that's really important because the dogma I had with the anger was not about the anger. It was about my mental posturing. My mind was scared to death of the anger. The anger didn't have a built-in reaction of its own. The anger didn't have a reaction associated with it. I had learned a reaction. The the anger was an indifferent messenger in the moment. And yet I had built this profound mental karmic stigma related to any sensation that felt like anger. Getting through the tough stuff. Getting through the tough stuff. Well, that anger was pinching me off. I was accumulating more and more anger decade to decade. My body was starting to show rebellion. I, I, was, I had digestive tract problems. I started getting ulcers. And once I started connecting and releasing that anger, those physical ailments vanished. I, what I had done in this lifetime and over other lifetimes was I loaded up my psyche with energy. I'm going to use the term energy. When I talk about energy or karmic stigma, same thing, or suppressed feelings, same thing, or my consciousness that I denied the ability to express. What? Wait, what? The anger in my subconscious, where was the energy? What what was the energy that came streaming out of me that day? This energy is flowing out of my psyche. What the hell? Where did that energy come from? Well, that energy was my own consciousness. What's our karma? It's our own consciousness. What are my karmic stigmas in my subconscious? It's my own consciousness. Karma is unresolved consciousness in our psyche. That's a real simple sentence. And if you can understand that sentence, it it makes your karma impersonal. It really does. What? Karma's impersonal? Yeah, pretty much. Just like gravity is a mechanism that we can become skilled with or we can be ignorant to, the gravity doesn't care. When we deny ourselves the feeling of consciousness in the moment, whatever we don't allow ourselves to feel in the moment the energy of that consciousness gets pushed in our subconscious. 
A good example of this is PTSD. So the kid goes into the battlefield and now people are people are shooting each other and uh the soldier goes into shock and when you're in shock you don't you don't feel anything when you go into shock you're numb you don't feel a thing so a hundred percent of what you would feel extreme horror extreme pain extreme i mean battle is just horrific a hundred percent of that gets pushed into your subconscious and so you're energetically loading up your psyche ptsd is perhaps hours and hours of horror that because they're in shock they're not allowed to they have they have no way to process it there's no time there's no couch there's no time out in war kill or die ptsd um is a recognizable difference before the kid leaves to war he's a uh, perhaps a high school kid he's got the car he likes he's dating the girl he likes he comes home and he's flipping numb and he's he's wiped out his his psyche has been impaled with an immense amount of consciousness that he didn't have the ability to feel and so it gets pushed in the subconscious why am I talking about this well getting through the tough stuff is is it's really teaching your ego about what the hell makes the stuff tough it's tough stuff because of the feeling of it it's tough because of the feeling of it I uh when I when I got divorced, I had to gather the kids around the table and tell them that their pa was moving out, and tears welled up in their eyes, and I saw the pain of what I was doing. I saw the pain on their face, and I would have I would have welcomed a glowing hot iron rod shoved through my heart let me take the pain uh, that I see in my children's eyes I I would rather feel the pain and I would rather have felt the pain than to see it well up on their face that was it 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 crushed me to be the instigator of that pain to my children and uh there's a lot of 
there's a lot of tough stuff going on. And I've I've shared the mechanism of my dad where he got his anger. I'm born into the household. I'm born into a, a very intense environment. I learned to have myself in a defensive posture, a defensive stance. I've got my guard up 24-7 in my family of origin. I got my guard up. Because I have to learn how to how to be tough in a very caustic environment. And uh, that that instilled in me tenacity, resolve, courage, bravery. Those were traits I had to take on to be able to endure the environment of my family of origin. And just recently, a wonderful thing happened. Wait, what? <laughs> a wonderful thing happened. As I was contemplating my the, the dynamics of my father, it dawned on me that he passed several years ago. The, the challenging environment is no longer around me, and I don't know how to describe it other than to say my, dis, my defensive stance popped like a bubble. There was this moment not too long ago, perhaps several months back, where my defensive posturing, I had never, I had never uh, become aware of it as clearly as I did a while back, and it popped. Dad's gone. He's not going to cut me in half. He's not going to get so flippin' mad that I'll be scared to death. It's not going to happen anymore. I don't have to posture with my environment. I had never let my guard down. For six decades, I had my guard up. And just a while back, it popped. But you know what? Those attributes that my father gave me my soul looked at my father as an extremely angry man who was raped of his innocence. His, his tender and open heart was crushed by the demand that he kill without discernment. For over a year, kill anything that moves. That pain in his heart, my soul chose that as an environment for me to incarnate into. And now I have courage, tenacity, resolve, focus that are at, at the top levels because of my father. My soul chose that that I would take on those traits in the, in the fire of my father would be the foundry that would temper me. And guess what? I'm a pretty solid, grounded, psalm bitch. <laughs> you 
you can chew on my ass all you want. I'm going to do what I want. Thank you very much. And that's a really powerful attribute for me in this lifetime. Wait, what? The caustic household I grew up in prepared me to be who I am, to be why I'm here. It prepared me to be why I'm here. And one other attribute of my family of origin is I was the last of seven kids. Nobody gave a crap what I thought. I could think whatever I wanted. I could think whatever I wanted. And so I had freedom of thought. I had immense freedom. I remember my folks saying to my siblings, does anybody see less? Not not at what is he doing? Is he in danger? Is he in trouble? Can anybody see him? Oh, yeah, he's over there. Okay, good. I could be doing whatever I wanted. My My parents were burned out. My father had five heart attacks. My mother were, married a train wreck. Bless her heart. She married a, a, a scarred World War II veteran. Bless her heart. And, and being the last of seven gave me the freedom to decide to see with perhaps unique eyes what was what. You know, another attribute real quickly that just came to mind was my father was, I know my my grandparents told my father, Gilbert, if you want it, you're going to have to figure out how to make it because there's no money. I, I don't know if they said it that clearly, but if you want something, you're going to have to figure out how to make it. He borrowed a water skiing boat, took it in the shop, made a fiberglass mold of it, gave the boat back, and then he made himself a fiberglass boat. Heaven forbid you go buy a fiber, you go buy a boat. He had to make it. He he got very skilled at making things. He made canoes. Uh, uh, he made a fold-out uh, camper trailer probably a decade before they became popular. Um, (laughs) I'm going to date myself now. Um, Back in the day, there was a fad where the, the soda bottles were made out of glass and you could, you could get them hot and really, really hot and you could stretch them so they'd be tall and then let them cool. And, and that was the fad. And so, of course, in my dad's mind, the way to do that is to figure out how to do it himself. So he took electric heater elements out of a clothes dryer and made this little round chamber. We could put pop bottles in, and then they get glowing red hot, and he made this little thing that he could pull the the bottles up and then let them cool and he learned how to make those bottles that were a fad and so he taught me how to figure stuff out he taught me how to look at problems and think of unique solutions 
And now he's telling me, um, you can do it if you look, if you stare at it long enough. You can figure this stuff out. And so here I am in a karmic tsunami where the collective consciousness is getting tilled up by the cosmic roto-rooter. And uh, there's all these underlying mechanisms of of control and and ego and karma and and now I write books that have I think a pretty unique perspective about what's going on. What the hell? Um, and I can say that because I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of folks. I like my Kool Aid. I like that I'm able to look at situations and discern things that are not obvi- always obvious to the um, rank and file um, perception, the academic um, narrative, if you will. What a gift. What a gift. I can see why my soul chose all of it. The heartache, the pain, the the struggle, the the caustic environment. So let let's get let's get zeroed in now about getting through the tough stuff. Let's talk about some skill sets that might help. What a what a episode. Um I was I was scared to death of the emotion of anger for decades of my life, and I was not aware of this. I wasn't aware of it. I had a built-in reaction to anger that said, holy crap, we can't go there. We can't go there. Abort, abort, get out of it. If I was going to get in an argument with my boss, I, I would concede, okay, treat me like crap. Don't give me the raise. If I was in an argument with my spouse, you want to paint the kitchen fluorescent pink? Well, fine, whatever, whatever, whatever. I would concede, 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 concede. Because if I didn't concede, I might get mad. That sounds like a doormat, doesn't it? And I was still accumulating anger every day of my life because I'd never allow myself to express. And if we don't express the consciousness of the moment, it gets stuffed in our subconscious. You don't have emotional problems. You don't. You don't. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What? I hate it when I we get in these emotional arguments. I don't like it when when the emotions go off the deep end and we argue and we fight and I don't like that crap. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I understand that. But it's not an emotional problem. It's not. It's your mind's relationship to the feeling of the emotion. It's your mind's built-in reactionary pattern 
to the feeling of the emotion. The emotion itself does not have a built-in anything. It's a mental stigma when we have an emotional dogma. It's a mental stigma when we have an emotional dogma. So when I first started feeling anger, I I didn't I didn't know what's going to happen if I let this feeling out. I, this doesn't feel good. And then on the shrink's couch, the first wave of it came out and it threw me it it threw me off. It's like what the hell just happened? What was that? And I went back in and I looked for more. If all that energy came out of me and I had no idea it existed, what else is in there? And so I I relearned what the feeling of anger meant. I relearned what the feeling of anger meant. And I changed my reaction to it. I healed my relationship with the emotion of anger. And now when I feel anger well up in me, it's an alarm saying, less, you're not honoring yourself. Less, you're incongruent with your truth. Less, see, anger's really cool. What? Wait, what? Anger is a rock star of emotion. Anger is really cool. A healthy relationship with anger, a healthy relationship with anger, you feel anger well up and that tells your ego, wait a minute, something's off here, something's off, what's going on, why do I feel this anger? And at the same time, there's this really intense energy behind anger. So it's like, hey, You're out of balance right now, and here's a whole bunch of energy to help you resolve it right now. Anger provides you this really intense energy that you can, in a healthy way, in a respectful way, take the intense energy of anger and change the course, change the condition, change the situation. Anger is really cool. Some spiritual teachers say, if you hold anger, you're only burning your own hand. Uh, to express anger is a, is a failure of spiritual demeanor. Bull pucky. All of our emotions are spot on. The mechanism of the human persona, our emotions are kind of like... Uh, imagine going to a, a, an echo canyon and you can stand at the precipices of the canyon and you go, hello, and here comes a hello back. And you say, howdy doody, and howdy doody comes back. Is the echo personal? Does the echo have some kind of vendetta against you? Does the echo have some kind of motivation of its own? No. Your emotions, your emotions are like that echo. They're impersonal. So your thoughts, 
your beliefs and attitudes bump up against reality and your emotions are the feedback to show you the congruency or incongruency of your thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes. Your emotions are real-time feedback mechanisms. But if you haven't been giving yourself permission to feel the emotions, you've been accumulating them. And the more you accumulate them, the more intense they are when they come up. And the more intense they come up, the more intense the emotions are when they come up. Well, that's the definition of the tough stuff. Getting through the tough stuff. Intense emotions. Spooked egos. Scared egos. No skill set. No understanding of the mechanism. That's the definition of the tough stuff. You can heal your relationship with your emotions. You can transmute your relationship with your emotions today, right now. If you haven't been paying attention to them, chances are you have a built-in reaction And what do reactions do? They create the same results. So if you're stuck in a reaction pattern, you're stuck in a reactive results. And that's tough. Until you change your relationship with the emotion, until you own the thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that brought on those emotions, It's going to be a tough struggle. But you can change your relationship with your emotions in a snap. Because the emotions have no built-in reactive anything in them. It's not your emotions. It's your mind. It's your ego. You know, when uh, when you're posturing with emotions, like I postured with anger for decades, it's easy to, to control you. Uh, for example, my boss, he too was scared to death of anger, but the way he managed it is he kept everybody in a reactive mode. He would trigger everyone else's anger to put them on the defensive, and that's how he felt safe. Everybody has their own relationship with the emotions. Once I connected with my anger and released it, I no longer reacted to his taunting and I became invisible to him. He no longer cared about taunting me. He wanted to keep his attention on people that would react to his anger. And so when I healed the anger in my own psyche, I became invisible to people who use anger as an emotional manipulation mechanism. 
if you're stuck in relationships with bosses, spouses, friends, whatever, and they have manipulative emotional strategies to help themselves deal with emotions they're not comfortable with, that's tough stuff. And if you're not dealing with the emotions, you're accumulating them. And if you're accumulating them, the lessons become more intense. That's tough stuff. So what do you do? What do you do when you have a feeling that you just don't like? Your life is is in turmoil and chaos and and you have these strong, prominent emotions in your psyche, and you're, you've been stuck in a reactive, repetitive pattern, heal your relationship with the feelings, the tough feelings, feelings. I started this episode off talking about, I get that pain hurts, I get that. But you could put pain right in there with emotions. I'm not I'm not saying go look for pain. But you can heal your relationship with pain. I had a very dear friend pass away. And over a course of several weeks my heart was crushed. It was so painful. It was so painful. The pain in my heart burned like a hot iron. I didn't go looking for that pain, but it was brought to me because of the love that I had for my friend. I've spoke of him before on the show. I'm not going to go into it that much, but the pain of losing my friend unexpectedly, very unexpectedly, out of the blue, he's gone. It's a very painful thing. And like I shared earlier in this episode, seeing pain on my children's faces, it's a very painful thing. But I... I was able to go and connect with that pain because I'm not pain's bitch. I'm not. I can feel pain and not have it steer me like it's bitch. I've 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 transmuted my relationship with pain. This there's a lot of pain on this planet. If all I did, if all I ever did was avoid pain at all cost, I'm I'm karmically delaying the healing of my psyche. I'm karmically um, manipulated by painful situations. I'm karmically surrendering my ability to choose something different every time pain comes up. But if I heal my relationship with pain. Pain doesn't feel so good. It doesn't. But that doesn't mean that it has dominion over me. When you love 
when you love, when the more you love, the deeper, the deeper in your psyche you become vested, the deeper in your psyche you connect, the deeper in your psyche you go with your relationships. And I'm not going to stop doing that. I'm not. I'm going to be open to love in every way that I can. I want to... This just came in my mind. I don't care. I want to be love's bitch. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that sentence, but so be it. (laughs) I... I refuse to become numb. I refuse to avoid. I refuse to posture, to to load myself up with defensive mechanisms. And I know there's a rawness to that. I know there's a a difference in the path that my life will take because of that. But I want it. I I choose love. I choose to love over and over and over again. And I have a feeling that the as I clean my psyche, as I don't avoid the pain, as I don't avoid my emotions, the more I open up up to it and I shed and I dissipate and I release the scarring of my psyche and my subconscious, well, I know, I know this is the case because I'm experiencing it. Our karma is finite. There's not an infinite amount of it. There's a finite amount of karma in our consciousness, in our psyche. And the more I learn to open up to that, the more I learn not to posture with that, the more of it I dissipate, the more of it I release, and the less intense, the less intense every episode is. It's like coming out the other side. It's like breaking into the open. I can be in a situation of love and feel a painful condition and i can i can i can stay present and that that affords me to go through the the situation without bringing dogma bringing um karmic imprintings, um, avoiding feelings, avoiding consciousness, loading up my psyche with avoidance, with the, the energy of the consciousness that I'm avoiding. Getting through the tough stuff. Hey, you know, I get it. I get it. Pain on planet Earth can be a tough thing. I get that. But you know what? This is probably the most advanced class your soul could take. If you can come here in this karmic tsunami and not only find the love in your heart, but open the love of your heart and share the love of your heart, that's the stuff. 
That's the stuff. That's that's the master class of loving. That's the master class of incarnating into human form. If you can do that, you're the rock star. That's it. That's the stuff. The the karmic roller coaster is not over. There's a lot of change coming down the pike. And there'll be people that want to herd the masses by stirring up their emotions and getting them into a reactive pattern so they can herd, corral. And humanity needs people that can, can stay grounded in the upheaval to stay present in the in the feeling of the wake of the tsunami to stay present in the feeling to to feel the emotional turmoil and stay grounded and centered and aware and focused and say because our emotions are messengers in the moment telling us which way honors us we need people that can recognize the emotional um, feedback of the moment and choose the path that would honor the sovereignty and dominion of humanity. To choose the path that honors the sovereignty and dominion of humanity even though there's an emotional event happening. That's the stuff. Getting through this tough stuff at the collective level, I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit here, getting through the tough stuff at the collective level will require human beings that have healed their relationship with the oh so many feelings of karma that this planet has to offer. Those individuals that have healed their relationship with difficult emotions, painful feelings, who can be in the presence of that and still have the wherewithal to navigate the choices that honor humanity, that honor the sovereignty and dominion of the human persona. We the people, we, we the people, we the humans, We the people need to choose narratives, dynamics that honor us as a people if we're going to heal the the karma of our past. And I'm absolutely positive that's the intention of our soul is to heal the accumulated karma of the collective consciousness on this planet so we can return to a, a sovereignty, a dominion of our own discourse that was so wonderfully anchored in the founding of the United States with beautiful, fantastic languaging. If, if you want to understand how difficult it is to write a powerful document, write a book or three. That's some of the most elegant languaging I've seen in a very long time. And when, anyway, I'm, <laughs> I want to stay focused here 
and get through the tough stuff. <laughs> How we doing? How you feeling? <laughs> I I really I I hope and I pray that these words are helping you in some fashion. I sincerely hope and pray that you've learned some some tools or some perspectives that will help you get through your tough stuff. I get it that it hurts. I get it it can be tough. Getting through tough stuff. But this is the kind of conversation we need to have, I think, at this point in the game. This wouldn't have made sense in 2019. It just wouldn't have. It's a, it's a very powerful time to be alive. It's a very, very powerful time to be alive. Because if your persona can heal your relationship with your emotions, heal your relationship with pain, heal your relationship with love, you can be a a very powerful persona. You can be a very powerful persona in the unfolding new chapters of, of our human dynamic. You are very powerful. I know you're very powerful because I've interviewed people just like you. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people. And the stories they've shared are very powerful stories because the human persona is a powerful thing. And you are that persona now. You have the opportunity now in whatever tough stuff you're going through now, whatever tough stuff you were born into, whatever tough stuff was imprinted on your your soul over the many lifetimes, whatever, whatever the tough stuff is, you're living in a time where the mechanism of the human persona is being understood by thousands of people there's thousands and there's millions of books on the planet about self-help self-transformation spiritual growth healing our past you're you're in a really rich environment to heal yourself at such a deep level and what happens when you heal yourself at such a deep level What's the potential of who you might become from healing yourself, from evolving yourself, evolving your your story, your consciousness, your sense of self? Jesus told you point blank, you're going to do everything I've done. As you heal your relationship with pain, emotions, love, power, karma, as you bring yourself about, you become your own personal your own personal savior. When you forgive your past, when you heal your past, those karmic imprintings, those karmic sins, 
when you forgive those sins, you become, as Jesus promised you would, the Savior of you you personify the Savior as Jesus said you would. The Savior archetype of yourself. The Savior archetype of your story, of your narrative. Healing yourself, getting through the tough stuff. That's the journey. That's it. That's it. We chose to be here. We chose as a collective of souls to incarnate on this planet and get to this point, a real crossroads, a a decisive point in the narrative of humanity on this planet. You chose to incarnate into that. You chose a family dynamic. You chose life lessons. You chose a life purpose at the soul level, and here you are now. Wow. (laughs) Stand in your truth. Claim the vision your soul has for your life. Anchor yourself. Ground yourself into into the earth and dream your best dream. Ask and it is given. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Claim it. Thrust in your sickle. Draw your measure. You're here to do just that. Playing small doesn't serve anybody. You are divinity incarnate. Playing small is fool's play. You are you are the consciousness of creation itself. There's no separation. Your consciousness and the consciousness of source are one and the same. If Jesus showed up right next to you, nothing would have to change about your environment. In other words, you are living in the field of miracles right now. Jesus could appear next to you and poof, fabricate food out of thin air, poof, heal the sick, poof, walk on water, poof, tell really good jokes. Nothing would change about the environment. You're living in the field of miracles now. As you heal yourself and bring yourself about that field will respond to you in kind as it has been promised. Whew. Well, I think we're getting towards the end of the episode. I really, really, you can handle the tough stuff. At the soul level, you're bigger than any karmic stigma, any karmic condition. I know it can be painful. I know it can seem overwhelming. I know... It can feel like uh, it's just too big to handle, but that's your ego. You're a timeless soul. No matter what happens, the continuity of your consciousness is assured. The worst case is you, you transition, you let go of your body, and you reincarnate again. 
but the the continuity of your consciousness is assured. No matter what, you are safe. No matter what, you are safe. The ego that's listening to this didn't exist the day you were born. You're not your ego. You're not. You're a soul that installed an ego in the operating system of your brain, and then you're, you took on a your ego as your identity and that's where (laughs) talk about tough stuff anyway anyway all right all right i really i just really hope this episode has helped you in some way that's my sincere prayer that's my sincere intention um, I love you. I love you just the way you are. You don't have to change a damn thing about you. I love you. I see you. I love you. Um, and I kudos to you for showing up for yourself. Here we are at the end of the episode, and you're here. You're showing up for yourself. You're seeking out. You're seeking out material, understanding, information that'll help you navigate your life. You're not crying in the corner. I mean, I don't want to discount the pain. You're not um, in a pity party for yourself. You're taking steps to grow yourself. So I applaud you for listening. I applaud you for showing up for yourself. These are very powerful times. Claim your purpose. Claim your the vision of your soul and show up for it. Wow. <laughs> what an episode. I wasn't sure where it's going to go. And I, tr- I tried really hard to have the content there and the continuity there and the, um, to package it in a meaningful way. I I hope it helped. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's my pleasure to to bring you episodes like this. We've got some great episodes lined up. We really do. We've got some really good stuff coming down the pike. I want to give a shout out to Susan. We're probably in our eighth or ninth year of doing these shows. If you've been a guest on the show you know who Susan is. She arranges everything. What a journey this has been between the two of us. You know, <laughs> in a little light, lighter note, my flipping headphones are wearing out. Twelve years of podcasts, I guess at some point they would wear out, but I went to put them on today and I started looking at my headphones. I'm like, holy crap, these things are hammered. These are beat up. How do you wear out headphones? Years and years and years and years and years of interviews. <laughs> and there's years more to come. Um, all right, enough, enough. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.